0: effortless English learn to speak English like a native that's my best-selling book you can get my book on Kobo.com Amazon.com most booksellers online have my book effortless English learn to speak English like a native my audio book, I'm giving you my audio book free. It's a gift to you. $20 value, giving to you free. Get the full audio book. It's the entire book. Audio. It's my voice. I'm reading it. My audio book is at effortlessenglishclub.com book. Effortlessenglishclub.com slash book. Hope you're doing well today. There was no show yesterday because I had a technical problem. I recorded a show yesterday. It was an hour. But I got home and I listened to it and the audio was terrible. Uh, There was a problem. There was a setting on my recorder that was wrong, and so I, it could, I couldn't use it. I had to delete it. See, you had a break yesterday, but we're back again today. I just finished getting on Gab, Gab.ai, and on Twitter, and answering your comments and questions from the great, the wonderful, the enthusiastic, the helpful, the friendly, The positive, the powerful, effortless English family. International effortless English family. That's you. And I noticed there were a few suggestions, a few uh, requests for topics. I wrote a couple of them down and we'll talk about them today. Starting with number one, the topic of frugality. Frugality. That's a nice word. Frugality is the noun. Frugality. What does that mean? Frugality means uh, not spending much money. Frugality means controlling your spending. It means basically being cheap, cheap with your money, tight with your money. Frugality. And this is this is generally a positive word. It has kind of a Positive feeling, frugality. We do have other words that mean almost the same thing, but have more of a negative feeling, but this one has a positive feeling. Frugality. And the adjective, if you want to describe somebody, you could say frugal. He is a frugal person. She is very frugal. Frugal. Kind of funny word. Frugal, meaning careful with money, doesn't spend a lot of money. Frugal. And the request I got was, you know, can talk about frugality and specifically how to do it. How do we control our spending? Well, I have two answers for that. There is the internal answer and the external answer. As you might guess, the internal answer is the more important one because frugality is once again about self-discipline, self-control. It's about... Your thoughts and your emotions, right? I mean, why do you spend money unnecessarily? Why do people in general do that? Why do they spend money on a bunch of stuff they don't need that's not going to make them happy, that causes financial problems later? Why do people do that? Especially, why do people do that when they when they when they know, right? When they know intellectually, they're They're mind, they're smart, they're intelligent, they know that this spending is not helping them, but they do it anyway. So, why do they do that? Well, why do people do anything unnecessarily? Why do people do things they know are not good? Right? Why do people eat junk food when they know it's not healthy? Or you can think of dating relationships. Why do people date? Other people like why do women date men they know are bad? Why do men date women they know are bad? It always comes down to emotion again, emotions and thoughts. So the first answer of how how to be more frugal, more careful, more disciplined with money is it's internal because you know mostly people spend money unnecessarily because of some emotional. Need. Maybe they feel bored, for example. They feel bored. Oh, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, and so then they go shopping. And then they just spend money because it's kind of a distraction from boredom. Or maybe it's sadness or something like that. Or maybe it's because when they buy something new, it's exciting for a few days. Right? You get that initial, that beginning excitement, but then it goes away very quickly. I mean, you could imagine you go out and you buy a Ferrari. I always use a Ferrari as an example. I don't know why, but it's. I guess for me, because a Ferrari is a good example of something that is very, very, very expensive. It seems like it would be kind of exciting, but in my opinion, at least, it's a kind of a very unnecessary expense. <laughs> Some people think, oh, if you have a Ferrari, you're rich. <laughs> so you go buy a Ferrari, you probably would. I mean, even I, I would feel excited about that car for a while, right? Oh, look at this. This is a super fast car. It would be exciting for, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe up to a whole year. But I guarantee what will happen is eventually the excitement, the newness will Get less and less and less and less, and then uh, then you're just used to having the car, and it doesn't give you that excitement anymore, right and then, oh, then of course, what do you do? Then what do other people do? Then they start looking for another way to get the excitement, go buy something else, go buy something else, go buy something else, go buy something else I mean it's the same reason people do other addictive behaviors, right It's the same reason people do lots of stuff that's not healthy, that's not good for them long term. Because in the short term, immediately, they get a little excitement, they get a little emotional relief from whatever that is. And this is where mental discipline, self-discipline, again, fighting this battle inside ourselves to get control of ourselves, to be the master of ourselves. This is where it comes from. This is why it's so important in every area of life. In money, in religion, in with family, with relationships, health, fitness, everything. Everything, everything, everything. It's ultimately, finally, fundamentally, a battle inside against your uncontrolled emotions and thoughts. And you could think of it that you have a, a kind of higher self. What some call you know your true self or the, the true self. But it's it's sort of your highest intelligence, your highest awareness, your highest mind. Right, it's, that's the part of your mind that knows. It's the part of your mind that knows. Well, this is this is bad. This is stupid behavior. I'm doing something stupid right now. I mean, if there's part of you you're doing it. You have this emotion, and then you go do something like you eat eat a bunch of terrible food. You're overweight. You're not healthy. But then you go and you start eating something bad, right? So some part of you, right? These these uncontrolled thoughts and emotions is pushing you to eat that terrible food, that junk food. But you know, there's also some part of you higher up, you know, your your truer self, your truest intelligence, we could call it, that at the same time you're eating it, that's saying to you, oh, this is stupid, this is bad. This is a bad decision, stop doing it, right? Some people call that your conscience. Uh, There are many names for it. You can look at it psychologically. You can look at it from a spiritual or religious viewpoint. But anyway, we all know about this, right? You know it. And so what self-control, what self-discipline is about is that having that highest intelligence become the master so that that highest intelligence is in control of your body and your decisions, and your mind. And you can think of it like your like your emotions and your crazy thoughts. You can think of them, they're like wild animals, just going crazy all the time. They're even worse than wild animals, because wild animals have instincts that are, are, are actually somewhat logical and rational for survival. But your wild thoughts, they're more like, and your wild emotions, they're more like just crazy, uncontrolled, wild animals, right? And so the job of your highest intelligence, you know, your true self, is to train and control those, right? To become the master. It's kind of like if you had these wild, crazy horses. you got to train them and discipline them and take control so then you can ride them and now they become powerful and useful to you. Well, it's the same idea. So it's not like, you're not, you're not eliminating, you, you cannot eliminate thinking. You can't eliminate it. You can't get rid of it. You can't delete thoughts. Your brain will generate, your brain will create thoughts. But what you can do is gain mastery over them. Right, so that your highest self, your truest, highest intelligence is like riding them, controlling them, like a rider controls a horse. Like a driver controls a car, right? If you have a car, you just turn it on, you put it in gear, it'll just start going. Without a driver, it's just going to run and hit something. But with a skilled driver, of course, that car can become very powerful, a very useful tool. This is the idea. And so this battle, really, to be frugal, to gain control of your spending, it's a mental battle. It's an emotional battle. And in this way, by fighting this battle with your money, with your spending, you're really training your mind in general. Right, Because you're having to deal with these emotions, whatever it is that's causing you to spend unwisely, unintelligently, foolishly. You're having to deal with these emotions and thoughts and gain control of them. So it's a, it's a mental battle. And what's great is that mental discipline will help you in other parts of life too. So fighting this battle to become more frugal, to gain more financial freedom, get down to that baseline Live More Simply, it's a good battle because it will help you in lots of areas of life because it is essentially, basically, a mental and emotional battle inside yourself. So that's where most of the battle will happen. And you just got to keep fighting it every day. You can become more and more aware of your thoughts and your emotions, recognizing them, and then just... You know, it, it's a day-by-day battle again and again and again and again to gain control over those and to make the right decisions, do what you know is right. It doesn't matter what your emotions are doing or your thoughts are doing. So that's the internal battle. That's the really the hard one. <laughs> the external one's pretty easy after you control that. Once you can get, control those fears and worries and the, the, the boredom and all the other things that make you spend, well, then what you do is, you know, in terms of external strategies, what I recommend to become more frugal is to first focus on the big expenses. Focus on the big ones. Some books tell you, oh, you know, focus on all the little stupid stuff you spend money on, like uh, if, you spend, if you get coffee each day, you know, don't, I don't know, don't drink coffee each day or something. But I don't know, that, to me, that's kind of a very slow way to do it. I say do the opposite. Focus on the big ones first, because that's where you have the opportunity to save huge amounts of money every month, and you can do it very quickly. Number one for most people is housing. Accommodation, where you live. For most people, rent or a house loan, one of those two, that's the biggest expense most people have each month. That's the big one. So focus on that one first. Move, move, move to a smaller, or maybe not smaller, what's what's important is that it's cheaper. (laughs) Move to a cheaper place. Maybe if you're smart, you can find a good deal and it's not even smaller. I don't know. But the main thing is cut your housing cost each month. Try to cut it by a lot if you can. But if you can, if you're not ready, at least just cut it by some. Live more simply. Your housing costs are usually the biggest one. So cut that first. Focus on that one first. Just that. Just focus on reducing your rent or house loan costs each month. And maybe, you know, you first you you move to a a little bit smaller place. You cut that a little bit. And then maybe six months or a year later, then you live even more simply and you cut it even more. Then you cut it even more. That's what I did. I I did it over several years' time. I started... (laughs) you know I kind of lived a normal two bedroom apartment then I moved down to just a one bedroom place right and then and then as you know then I started living then I went crazy and crazy in a good way then I went and start you know lived in a car <laughs> so I went extreme I cut my rent extreme extremely in an extreme way so housing start with housing After you cut your housing costs, then focus on number two, whatever number two is for you. Uh, For a lot of people, it's transportation, especially in places like the United States and America, where uh, everybody needs a car, except in a few cities. But in most places, people have to have cars. And that can be a big expense for a lot of people, especially because they go out and they buy new cars, which is crazy. So that's number two. If transportation's your big number two cost, cut that. If you have to have a car because you live somewhere, there's just no buses and trains and things, then that's fine, but sell your car and buy a much cheaper, older car. You can get very reliable old cars. It's possible. I never paid more, I think... Well, until very recently, I think I never paid more than $2,000 for a car... But I always just buy buy older Japanese cars. That's what I do. Older Japanese cars that are reliable. You just do your research. You can find fairly reliable cars that are quite old. So you cut your cost. If you live somewhere, like now I live in a city, we don't need need a car. In fact, really for the last mm, 12 years, more than that no 14 years (laughs) for the last 14 years I have not had a car I haven't needed a car because I've been living in big cities that have taxis and trains and buses and things so I cut that completely and my transportation costs now are super super low another big one for a lot of people is food food costs and this is usually big for people who eat at restaurants a lot. If you, if you eat at home, then probably not, but I know at certain times of my life, especially when I was younger, I used to eat at restaurants all the time, constantly eating out at restaurants. That's expensive. Even eating at cheaper restaurants is still expensive. So eat at home more. Cook your own meals at home. Get your food mostly at the grocery store. That's another great way to cut expenses to live more frugally and then the final thing that a lot of people spend is just it's just the stuff we'll call it stuff it's just all the unnecessary stuff that you really don't need i mean you do need food you need a place to live you need transportation to get around but you know we buy lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff that we don't need at all we just don't need it, but we usually buy because we're bored. And so you can start cutting that stuff, too. These are all good places to start for living frugally. But what I recommend you do is look at your monthly budget. So you have to look at your spending each month and identify what's the biggest expense, what's the, the most expensive one. Work on that one first. Some people have loans, like, like student loans, Well, if that's your biggest expense, paying those loans every month, well, then work on that one first, cutting that loan down, paying the loan faster. And also, again, go down that list, starting with the biggest one, cut it. The second biggest one, cut it. The third biggest one, cut it. Going down the list, cutting, cutting, cutting. And then when you get to the bottom of your list, then go back up to the top and start cutting again, even more and you just keep doing that constantly okay another topic I saw on my social media was again the topic of fake friends which I talked about recently and the comment was basically talking about how to cut your fake friends and the fact that You know, why, why, why do people have a hard time? Why do people have fake friends? And why do they avoid cutting them? Well, I think people have fake friends for different reasons. I can look at my own life and see that, you know, one uh, one reason is just kind of accidental. I mentioned this before talking about the topic, that... A lot of times, we, you know, we have friends and it's just kind of accidentally. We just meet them from some activity, some hobby, or school, or our neighborhood, something like that, and it's just kind of accidental. We'll get to know them, and yeah, maybe we share some interests with them, some activities or something, and then we just start hanging out and doing things together, which is totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But then what happens is we start to think of this person as, as our friend even though really the relationship is shallow. It's not deep, right? Because it's just based on some hobby. That's all. For me, friendship is much more than that. That's an acquaintance. I would call that an acquaintance. An acquaintance is someone you, you know, but you're not close to. So, just, so if you just share a hobby with someone, that's more of an acquaintance, right? But we start to think of these people as our friends, Sometimes, I know I did in the past. We're hanging out with them. We're doing lots of stuff with them. We start to think of them as friends. We call them our friends. But then what happens is, as we start to get to know them more, more deeply, maybe we start to realize that they're they're quite negative. That they're not uh, helping us be happier. They're not helping us to be better people that maybe they aren't so great. Maybe that doesn't mean they're evil, but maybe they're just not very positive, good people, that they're not really true friends. And when often when you really find out is when you have some tough time in your life. You have some kind of difficulty in your life and then you realize, oh, wait, this person is not actually a friend. Because... The fake friends, when you have a hard time, they disappear or they're negative. They're not helpful. They don't support you when you're having a hard time. And that's when you realize, ah, wait, this person's not a real friend at all. They're They're just a fake friend. Or the times you realize it when you're trying to do something good, like you have a dream, you have a goal, something big, and they just keep criticizing you and and laughing at it and bringing you down. Pulling you down. So then the next question that was brought up then is, so why do people, at that point, why do people have a hard time cutting those people why do people hold on to fake friends even when it's obvious when you see when you know these are not such great people Uh, not really a good friend why do they keep them anyway and I, I don't know what it is I think there's a few reasons for that maybe that's not a problem I have I when I realize someone's a fake friend I cut them well, it's not a problem I have anymore, honestly, but in the past, when I finally would realize, oh, wait, this person's not a real friend, I then, I just kind of got disgusted by them and immediately cut them. I don't know why people keep friends that are false. I don't know. One reason might be fear, fear of being lonely, perhaps, right? Especially some people are not very extroverted. They're not social. And maybe making friends is a little difficult for them. So when they finally get some friends, even if they're fake friends, they're kind of afraid, oh, well, if I cut these people, will I be completely alone? Now, my answer to that is, it's better to be alone. Better to be alone than to have fake friends. Yeah, being lonely can can be hard sometimes, but... Fake friends will make your life worse. They will pull you down. Not good. If you're alone, you'll have more motivation to get out and meet people and find true friends. It's better just to be alone for a while. There have been times in my life where I really haven't had many friends, at least not where I was living. And it can be tough sometimes, but it's still better than hanging around negative people or fake friends. And I don't know, the other reason maybe people keep fake friends is they feel some kind of guilty or something. They feel guilty or bad about cutting them. They, they still feel loyalty. You know, maybe that they, they're good people, right? And they see their friends are not so good. But because they're good people, oh, they, they still feel bad about cutting them. Oh, they don't want to be mean or something. I don't know. They don't want to feel guilty about it. And to that, again, I just say, you know, come on, be tough, do what's right. You have to do what's right. Sometimes doing what's right is difficult. You need to cut those people. I will say this. When I say cut, I don't. you don't have to do anything angry. You don't have to have a big speech and tell them, you're fake friends and I don't like you and I'm done with you. You don't need to do that at all, okay? Just stop calling them. Just stop calling them. If they call and invite you to do something, you can just say, well, I'm sorry, I'm busy. Okay, you can just basically just avoid them. Stop doing things with them. You don't have to have a big argument. You don't have to say anything to them. You don't have to criticize them. You don't have to do any of that. You just you can even just gradually do less and less and less and less with them. And that's what I always did in the past when I figured out people were false friends. I just uh, I just stopped doing stuff with them. That's all. I didn't have you know any arguments with them. I didn't say anything bad to them. If I saw them, I was still nice and polite and you know basically friendly, but I just didn't want to hang around with them anymore. That's all. That's how I recommend you do it. Now, in the Effortless English family, you'll find true friends, really good people who are going to help you out, give you good advice. That's one thing I love about our Effortless English family internationally. And I'm also super happy with our VIP members who tend to be our superstars, who are often our really great superstars. Not only do they get great results, they're a good example showing you that it's possible. You can do it. You will do it. You will speak English fluently. You will speak confidently. You'll speak English effortlessly. The words just coming out as you think in English. You will do all of these things. The VIP members show you that because they are successful. They follow the program and they're successful. It's more than that, though. What's interesting is that these VIP members who are so successful, they are often the ones who are being super helpful to others, to other members, to Effortless English family, to Ever's English fans, to podcast listeners, to everybody. They're online all the time giving advice, encouragement, help, motivation. I love that about our VIP members. I love that about all our superstar Effortless English family members. As always, join my VIP program. Become part of this. I want you to be successful and then I want your success to show other people, right? To inspire other people that, hey, he did it, I can do it too. She did it, I can do it too. In that way, you're a leader just by being successful, just by showing people, look, before I had trouble with English, just like you. And now I'm speaking fluently, confidently. I've improved my English so much because of the VIP program, because of Everest English. And just doing that, you will show others, you become a leader to everyone around you who wants to also learn English. So join my VIP program today. Join my VIP program at effortlessenglishclub.com. So join my VIP program at effortless